In my third podcast regarding my small town memories, I want to give a little summary of the beginning of our village. We all have read many accounts of the Griffin family being the first inhabitants and how they immigrated from New York State. In this segment, I want to give a small synopsis of the establishment of the village of Smithville and how and who were part of the local fire brigade over the early years. Smithville first became a police village in the year 1887. The first trustees were Andrew Patterson, Edward Atkins, and Hugh Walker. A few years later, the citizens became dissatisfied with this form of government and asked that the village trustees be abandoned and was turned over to the township. No recorded reasons were given for this move. In 1914, local business leaders realized that the future growth and progress would be dependent on a supply of electricity for this district. At that time, the street lights on Griffin Street were operated on gas. A few years earlier, a large power line was constructed by the Hamilton Cataract Power Company from the Coo Falls Power House in Niagara to provide power to houses and businesses in Hamilton. Local businessmen negotiated a contract to build a power line from the tower line that was just on the outskirts of the village, near Young Street, into the village. This was when the police village was again formed and the three members of the board were Charles Grassy, father of Mrs. T. Wilcox, who at that time was principal of Smithville Public School, Roland J. Goring, formerly operated a general store, which which has now been demolished at the corner of Griffin and St. Catherine Streets, and W. F. H. Patterson, who lived at the village limits on 20 Highway East, with the residence on the south side and his farm across the road. The residence is now number 240 St. Catherine Street. In 1916, land was purchased from Dan Shrum at the rear of his mill that was located on Griffin Street. A street was opened and it was called Convenience Street. This was the first building, two-story, for a fire hall and council chambers in the village. Both the township council and the village trustees used this for all their meetings. It was also storage for hydro equipment, and the village had a jail cell in the bottom floor. The only heat in this building was a big pot-bellied wood stove on the upper floor. As the editor of the Smithville Review from 1954 on, I covered a number of meetings regarding the village trustees and the South Grimsby Township Council. This building served the community very well until 1961 when a new fire hall and council chambers and offices were built on the former SS Number 12 school grounds on Canberra Street in Smithville. Then in 1970, regional government was proclaimed in Niagara. This was the beginning of one municipality that consisted of Gamesborough, Caster, and South Grimsby. The name of the organization organization was renamed the West Lincoln Volunteer Fire Department. In the early years, fire protection consisted of a number of dug wells along the streets that were strategically strategically placed so that the water from the ditches kept them full. I remember seeing these wells and only later in life, Roy Swick, who following the war years was hired on the village workforce here, explained the purpose of these wells. The first piece of equipment was an engine mounted on a two-wheeled cart, 
that was towed by vehicle and pumped from these wells or the 20-mile creek. The second addition to the fire equipment was a four-wheeled chemical tank wagon that had to be towed. It was water and chemical to make foam to fight fires. Later years, a hand-drawn four-wheel pumper powered by a 1925 Model T Ford engine was purchased. The last two pieces of equipment are still on display at our fire hall today. In 1952, a water well was drilled and water mains were installed by bringing water to the households and businesses within the village limits. This well drilled on the property on Camber Street where the new fire hall now stands, served the community for a number of years. The water was very hard and caused many homeowners problems with their water heaters and humidifiers. After the region took over the water and sewer installations, a new water and sewer line was constructed to Grimsby where the water is taken from Lake Ontario and treated and serves our municipality. According to early records, Mr. T. Dench was the first person hired by the village trustees to be a fire chief, a police chief, and electrician. Also noted in local history, the first OPP officer to serve this area was Bill Woods, who rode a Norton motorcycle and patrolled 20 Highway. The OPP office was located in Niagara Falls. Then in 1929, Gordon Theed was appointed fire chief and served that in that capacity until 1950, when the township appointed Gordon chief over the Smithville and South Grimsby Fire Department. Roy Swick and others have followed over the years. The department was authorized to have a ma maximum of 30 firefighters. It wasn't until 1949 when the Township Council bought their first Bickel Seagray pumper, which was a big upgrade for the department. I can remember joining the department in 1952 and served over 20 years, rising to the position of captain. While serving on the department, it was hard to justify reporting for fire calls and running a business, but it was great to serve the community when needed. Later in my career on the department, two women and myself took on the job of receiving fire calls for the department. Previous to this, the calls came into the bell office and the alarm was sounded from there. The two women were Mrs. Everett Mary Hiscott and Mrs. Gordon Abby Wilkinson and myself at the Smithville Review Office, who had a special line and telephone installed to answer fire calls day and night. The two women were on duty during the evenings until 8 a.m. in the morning when I would take calls at the office. This system worked very well for the township until in later years it was all transferred to St. Catharines, where they operated the, the emergency call system. In 1950, the firemen constituted their own organization for social and extracurricular programs. They established one night a week that they would train and make sure all equipment was ready for the next call. Members took their turn as president and secretary of the organization. I was selected several times over a period of years and served as a representative to the Niagara Regional Firemen's Association. At the conclusion of each and each year and to recognize the work of their wives during the year supplying coffee and sandwiches at some of the serious fires, the department would have a banquet including their wives and other dignitaries. 
Also on their fundraisers, one of their fundraisers before Christmas was a turkey raffle. Over the years, the firemen raised money to buy special equipment for their safety, and one fundraiser was in the form of a carnival, which they held for several years on the corner of Camber and Culver Streets, on the grounds where, later on, the high school was built. One of the attractions was popular at that time was a water dunk tank. Everett Hiskett and a number of firemen built the complete game and, made, and many of the local citizens took part in being dunked. The fire department always took part in a number of events within the municipality, including the fall fair. I can remember in early years after I joined, the members bought their dress uniforms with hats and on a number of occasions joined other departments when they had parades celebrating holidays to take part. fires and one that I remember very well was the fire at McEwen's grocery store and Boulder's Meats, which were located on Griffin Street. This happened on a Sunday and I had just came home from attending a church service and I was not able to change my good clothes and thus was, in, and thus was involved in fighting the fire that afternoon and evening. It was a major fire for this small department. This property was rebuilt following the fire. Another major fire was Pyatt's commercial business in Caster that destroyed the building. Also over the years, I had the sad experience to help in a number of drownings that occurred in the township. But the one that turned out to be somewhat of a miracle happened here in Smithville, and it was my sister Mary's daughter Karen who was of age, who was of age four. It was a day in early May and the weather was cool. It happened just before 1 p.m. The three children, Jeffrey, Dennis, and Karen, whose home backed onto the 20 Mile Creek, were outside playing and Mary was outside with them, but with the cooler weather, Mary suggested Karen should put her snowsuit on for warmth and they went out to play again. In the meantime, they ventured down to the creek and were hopping from one big rock to another and Cal Karen fell in and drifted down the creek. The boys alerted their mother and she immediately called the fire department. This is where the miracle started. I took the call at the office from my worried, frantic sister and immediately activated the siren and turned the phone over to Mary Hescott who was listening in. I immediately jumped in my car and drove to the Fisher residence. As I arrived, Mr. Gordon Pearson, who had been home for lunch from his barber shop, who had heard the frantic calls for help, had gone down to the creek to look, and by chance he spotted the body floating in the creek, lodged up against a big piece of tree that had floated down the creek. He was carrying the body up from the creek when I arrived, and I was able to bring her up to the back of the house where I started CPR. My training I had taken over the first years on the department paid off as I did mouth to mouth and pressed on her chest to bring all the water from her lungs. I was successful and got her breathing again just as the firemen arrived and other members took over applying the respirator and oxygen. This is a part I have not talked about that much and, I yet, and yet it is something 
I will never forget. Well, all that water flowed out onto the ground, and I was doing the CPR at small. A small earthworm came out of the ground and stood straight up and wiggled. And that was my cue that I had done my job, and this little girl would survive. The book ambulance came, and she was taken to the Hamilton General Hospital as she was still unconscious. She spent the night in hospital, and the miracle was over. Karen now lives in the suburbs of Vancouver with her husband and her mother. The reason I say that this was a miracle, because of the time of day and that Mr. Pearson was home for lunch and was the first person to start the recovery, we say thanks. For a piece of history that in, <coughs> excuse me, that in 2017, Dennis Fisher, brother of Karen, is now fire chief of West Lincoln Fire Department. We now have a new fire hall and many additions to our firefighting equipment, which serves our community well. Till we meet again, I wish you good health. I have to go now because I have to give Archie and Jack a ride home and the shop will close. See you next time and we'll have some new memories that I want to share with you.